Hello, and welcome to the Giving Back to Gwinnett podcast. Each episode, we tackle community issues, tell stories that matter, and show how you can make a difference. Presented by the Gwinnett Coalition and the Community Foundation for Northeast Georgia, Giving Back to Gwinnett showcases the nonprofits and people making an impact in Gwinnett. I'm Heather Loveridge, founder of Magnolia Media Group and chief storyteller for the Community Foundation, and I'm your host. Did you know that more than one in four children have been exposed to at least one adverse event in their lives? Here in Georgia, 18% of children have experienced at least one adverse event, and 10% have experienced two or more. You might be wondering, what exactly is an adverse event? Well, joining us in studio today are three guests who will explain what our children are experiencing and young adults are experiencing and how Georgia and Gwinnett are working to build resilient communities. So welcome to Emily Ann Val, Executive Director of Resilient Georgia, Jessica Andrews Wilson, Gwinnett Coalition Board Member and Executive Director of GUIDE, and Dr. Tanisha Parker, Gwinnett County Public Schools Department of Student Services. Thanks for being with us today. So let's dive right into this issue and what our listeners need to know. Uh, So to start with, let's define what is an adverse event, first of all, and then what do our parents, caregivers, teachers, anyone coming in contact with kids, teens, young adults need to know about what they're experiencing with these adverse events? So Emily, Ann, I'm going to toss it to you first then. And uh, Dr. Parker, you can chime in, Jessica, chime in as we're trying to um, explain what an adverse event is. Absolutely. So I'll start by saying we, we often revert, refer to adverse events as adverse childhood events, and the acronym we use quite often is ACES, or our ACES. And with those, it basically means that it's a potentially traumatic event in a child's life. So it can be things, anything from parental divorce to a parent having an addiction or an addiction living in the home with the child. Um, it can be witnessing domestic abuse. It can be an incarcerated parent. Uh, any of those would all be included. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Parker, anything you want to add to that? No, I, I, I like the fact that um, you use the word potentially uh, when you when you just potentially traumatic when you explained it um, because of that term resilience. So many of our students respond to events in their lives in different ways and in some events that are traumatic for some students. Um, Other students have a a resiliency level that allows them to not have um, negative consequences uh, that that display in some of your traditional uh, observations, academics, behaviors. Um, Not to say that they don't need support, but I do like that word potential um, because we do see some resiliency uh, traits in some students and we just are in awe of how they're Mm -hmm. able to to progress and move forward given the situations and experiences that they've had. Right. Well, and then let's talk about parents, caregivers, you know, anyone who's coming in contact, what do they need to know about these uh, adverse childhood events? I'm going to toss it over to Dr. Parker. Okay. Um, I would say that um, we need to be aware as a community that these events have the potential to really interrupt um, development, Um, development, personal and social development, academic development, um, self-awareness. These these events, uh, because they are traumatic and, and some students respond to that in a number of ways, closing down, shutting down, or acting out, um, or just completely uh, cutting themselves off from support systems. We need to be aware that these are signs mm. and, and we need to support our students in, in a variety of ways. Mm. And we need to kind of dig a little and put in networks and safety nets to catch those kids that may not be responding or 
um, showing signs that we traditionally look for, mm -hmm. but still may need help. Some of our most resilient kids are struggling internally and silently, and we want to make sure we're putting safety nets there to support them as well. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for the insight in there. Uh, Jessica, anything to add from your end as we're talking about, you know, what these are and what, um, you know, caregivers, adults need to know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that what Dr. Parker just said um, was is so important about just recognizing um, the, the adults and young people's lives, recognizing that the, these can um, have impacts and have long lasting impacts. And I also think it's important um, for the people who are not, um, who are the adults in a young person's life who are not in their home to recognize how um, these different um, adverse um, events or experiences can add up so that what they might see at school, for instance, um, feels like an overreaction to um, a bad grade or not making the team or, you know, something that, that seems minor to them. But, but there's all this um, baggage that they're carrying with them because they brought that um, from home. You know, maybe they're experiencing some of those things that Emily Ann mentioned, a divorce is happening, there's addiction in their home. And so I, one of the things that, that we really try to make sure that, that people um, specifically who are um, teachers and counselors and, and youth workers, after school staff, um, people like that who are engaged with young people realize is that, um, that it's not just what happens within the, the walls of that mm -hmm. school. It's not just what happens within that after school program that, that our young people have. And all of this other stuff that they've got that they're carrying and all of that adds up. And so being really mindful of that um, so that they can respond appropriately um, if they do start to see some of those warning signs or they do start to see that um, what what is an, an inappropriate reaction because it was a relatively minor mm -hmm. thing in, in school or in the program that happened, but the, the young person's response is a major response and that they can respond appropriately to get them the right supports that they need. Right, right, that's key. Understanding that what you see on the surface is not always what is happening behind the scenes. Um, so Emily Ann, let's share a little bit about Resilient Georgia program um, and just what you want our listeners to know about that. Absolutely. Um, so Resilient Georgia, we just turned two in April and we were found, our two founders are from the philanthropic community. And with that perspective, they were seeing a lot of efforts and asks coming across their desk that maybe weren't aligned and, and different subject matter experts in different sectors that were doing some of this work weren't always talking to each other. So they saw the need for a backbone organization. So that's what Resilient Georgia is. We are framed in collective impact and our our end goal is to create an integrated behavioral health care system for the state by making Georgia a trauma-informed state. So we intend to do that by bolstering our public and private partnerships across the state in all different sectors, um, having as many diverse partners come to the table as we possibly can. We focus our work on three pillars. One is to celebrate the work that's already being done in Georgia. Another is to break down barriers, whether micro, macro, whether it's you know large policy legislation or just making introductions and then the third is to connect and convene whenever we can so really get folks talking and and meeting um, to date we have over 700 stakeholders at the table which we're very proud of and we ask um, any listeners or 
both of you, all three of you, well, Jessica, I talk to you all the time, but both of you, we'd love um, for you to join our efforts too. If you want to ever log onto our website, you'll be included on all of our invites. And um, of course, there's lots of information on our website. Mm-hmm. Are there any um, stats that people would be surprised to know about the issue when we're talking about adverse childhood events? Um, I, I think it's not necessarily a stat, but since I've been in this role and talking about this content, it's always interesting to me when you discuss it with somebody that's never had this conversation or learned about this work before, that ACEs and adverse childhood events affect everyone. Um, you know, you, you reference some statistics when you open the show, but it, it's not just the children that experience them. Um, it's, you know, all those caretakers that also you know care for the child i don't think any of us don't know someone in our families or our close friends that have been through these things um so that's kind of what i keep in the back of my mind when we're talking about this work Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's an important designation just to think think about um and so we know we've got work being done on the state level um, which is very important work and helping people become aware Um, so let's talk a little bit about what's being done right here in gwinnett um, so Jessica, you know, share about the coalition's launch of Resilient Gwinnett um, and kind of what's happening there. So I am, as you said um, at the start, a board member for the Gwinnett Coalition and um, was thrilled to be able to partner uh, with Renee Bird-Lewis, the CEO there, to um, pull together an application um, a, a several months ago and um, in the spring to kick off um, this this focus in Gwinnett of um, kind of looking at where are we in terms of being a trauma-informed community? What do we have going on already as it relates to the issues around ACEs and mental health and um, promotion of uh, strategies to improve mental health um, and to protect our young people um, and to, to really insulate them. You know, when you think about what um, Emily Ann just said about how we, we've all had these things, we've all experienced these things um, in our lives and what can make the difference is uh, the, the bubble wrap that we sort of have around us, um, you know, that idea of, of protective factors, of that resiliency. Um, and so what Resilient Gwinnett is all about is about giving our community members more of those tools, more of of that bubble wrap to protect themselves, to protect those young people that they come into contact with or that they serve or they teach um, on a regular basis so that that those young people are are better able to bounce back, that they're they're more equipped to um, handle those um, traumatic experiences there, that come their way because we we know we can't eliminate those in young people's lives. There's certainly things we can do to cut down on them, but we know we can't eliminate and protect every child and every young person from ever experiencing trauma. But what we can do is equip um, the young people and the adults who are around them with the right tools, the right strategies, um, the right access to resources and um, the supports that they might need so that when they are um, impacted by those things, when, when they do have that experience in their life, that they're, um, they know how to respond. They have the right tools, whether that be um, mindfulness and meditation and 
kind of, you know, searching within themselves and, and finding their own sense of peace or finding the right counselor or therapist who can help them process that, um, that situation. So Resilient Gwinnett's focus has um, really started with um, just gathering our partners, seeing who in the community wants to be a part of this, seeing who already is doing this work, um, who's already connected and um, engaged in, in all of this and interested in this, um, and just kind of bringing people in. And um, that's that's where we started this spring. People can join the Resilient Gwinnett work at any time by going to resilientgwinnett.org. And there's a, a place to sign up there. Um, as, as Emily Ann said, um, if you sign up with Resilient Gwinnett, you'll get all of our invites, you'll get our newsletters, you'll find out about what's being offered. And what's starting to be offered right now, what the coalition is doing uh, right now is we have started offering free community trainings and these are um, we're offering both in-person and virtual opportunities and they're on a variety of different evidence-based uh, programs that just train parents teachers community members whoever is interested in them um, in some different aspects of what does trauma-informed mean how do we do this work um, you know how do we protect people we have everything from um, QPR, which is a suicide prevention training um, that really speaks to how do we recognize if somebody might be considering suicide and how do we respond appropriately to it, um, to a training called Connections Matter that is really designed to, um, to emphasize how we can build caring connections with young people um, that really help to prevent some of this lifelong trauma from having an impact. So there's all kinds of opportunities um, that Resilient Gwinnett is offering from just kind of being a part of our list and hearing what's going on to, um, to coming to our training, to bringing us in. We will come in for free to community organizations, to businesses, um, faith organizations, um, to do some of these trainings as well, because our, um, our initial goal is really just to get the word out, to get our community educated about what does this mean and how do we do something about it. And I like that you mentioned lifelong impact too. Um, this is an area I've, I've actually done some educating myself over the past few years and even realizing that something you experience as a child, you may not have processed it, but then as an adult, you start struggling and you're why you, you don't understand, but then you realize that whether it's physical issues, because your body can keep all that stress and that negative effects and that can manifest itself as, you know, all of a sudden you're like, I'm struggling with my health and tracing that back. So kind of along those lines, um, group discussion, let's talk about, you know, you mentioned the tools and getting needed training, but why, why is that so important? Because people might think, well, you know, Resilient Georgia has it handled, Gwinnett County Public Schools has it handled, you know, um, Resilient Gwinnett has it handled, but why do people listening need to know this, need to have the tools themselves as much as possible? So open to yeah. Dr. Parker. Um, I would say it is, is critically important for our whole community to be educated. Um, I think some of the work that needs to be done 
um, there are different levels of, of support that's needed. So when you're talking about counseling or therapy, you're talking about a specialized level of support. And when you're working with students that have had um, traumatic experiences in their lives, at some point um, and sometimes that support is needed. But oftentimes that level of support is not necessarily what's needed. It can be trained to any caring adult and any caring adult can support a student with self-awareness, with self-management, with responsible decision-making skills and learning how to build relationships and just social awareness so they can learn to navigate the environments in which they are. Um, I really liked the the bubble wrap um, scenario mm -hmm. that uh, she just spoke about and, and I've always used the term safety net but I like bubble wrap too I think I'm going to bring that in but part of what this education for a community does is helps reduce the amount of um, traumatic events that can can occur in these environmental areas that we don't necessarily have control over. So when you ask, what are we, what are we doing? How are we supporting? Um, I think we're looking beyond just the student in our classroom and understanding there's a whole ecosystem around that kid. There's a whole environment around that kid that needs to be supported as well. And while the school can't do it alone, what the school in the district can do is strategically partner with those organizations in the community that can support in other areas. For example, we know our homeless students are experiencing traumatic events on a very regular basis, not knowing where they're going to be from day to day, um, observing their parents in very distressed um, you know, situations and, and with that affect. So while we can support the student when we have the student in our classroom, what we really want to do is help that family get out of that situation. Now the school doesn't have housing or, or job training, but we can partner with organizations that do that so that when we recognize or have a family that comes to us that is homeless or struggling with something, um, whatever that something is, we've been able to be on, on um, the front side of strategizing and partnering with organizations like the Gwinnett Coalition for a crisis hotline where we can call when our parents and families say they're out of food, um, they're out of work, they've been put out. We've networked and communicated with one of our local hotel agency so that we can have emergency housing for these emergency situations while we try to help this family figure out um, what their next steps will be. So it's not only the support that happens in the classroom, it's also that support that happens outside of the classroom. And for um, the community to be aware of this is, is an important thing because they know then, based on what you do in your everyday work, how you can be a part of the solution and how you can be a part of the support. You, you may not be sitting down with the student in front of you helping them on a specific resiliency skill, but what you may have is job training that you can offer to families and, and help provide some stability. And that's, that's needed because those are the environments and those are the situations that create those adverse child experiences that we want to avoid. Awesome, thank you, Dr. Parker. Emily Ann, anything to add? Um, well, I, I'll kind of align with what Dr. Parker said in that it's important to think about prevention and that's kind of what also what she said is, you know, it's a lot easier to act early and we've already discussed that you know, ACEs and adverse childhood experiences, they can affect you for a lifetime. If we're proactive and not reactive, it's in everybody's best interests. So mm -hmm. I think that also kind of speaks to why the, you know, we should bolster and build community awareness. Right, right. Well, Dr. Parker, going back to you, um, since you're on the front line, so to speak, with our students, uh, you know, every week, five days a week, 
So what have you seen over the past years? Um, you know, we're talking about ACE adverse childhood events and the impact you've seen. Um, well, for the past 10 years, and this is even before COVID and, and before some of, you know, societal social issues um, were really on the front stage, we saw an uptick in students needing mental, mental support, mental health support and mental wellness um, support. COVID and our social um, unrest has really just exacerbated that. But it's also pulled on some of the resources and networks that our students have traditionally had available to them. Um, sometimes their families have all have historically and traditionally been that network and that resource for them to gain strength and support. But our families are so stressed and tapped out right now. Um, parents that used to be very engaged may find themselves um, looking for jobs or looking for new or new employment or new homes and just trying to live in this different environment. So they are not as available, not because they don't wanna be, but because they're, the situations that we're currently living in right now are pulling on so many of their resources um, that they have fewer to give their students, their children. Um, so what we see are the impact of that on our kids. You know, our kids are so needy right now. They want attention, they want affirmation, um, they want to know it's going to be okay. And a lot of the faces, the adult faces, when they look around, look very concerned and very worried, rightfully so. Um, so we have to figure out how to communicate to our kids to let them know, yes, these are challenging times, but the adults in your life are working really hard to make things better. What we need you to do is work really hard on, on doing all of the things that you need to do to be the best you. And you let the adults handle all of the adult stuff. A lot of our kids want to take on the burdens of their parents because as much as we love our kids, our kids love their parents and they love the adults around them that care for them and they want to carry those adult burdens and it's not for them to carry. So we need to do a better job of making sure they don't feel like they need to shoulder that. Um, but they are, they are very stressed. Um, they are they are longing for a, a new and a better day, and it's our job as the adults to figure out how to make that happen for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, whew, it feels like a big task sometimes, I'm sure, but um, a doable one with everyone joining forces. So it, talking about that, uh, Dr. Parker, how do you see Resilient Gwinnett making an impact in this area, um, you know, in the, the past short amount of time that we have launched that? What yes. have you seen? Um, I absolutely think there's opportunity for Resilient Gwinnett to make a significant impact, not only in the state of Georgia, but in Gwinnett County um, specifically. Uh, when we work on critical life skills for our students, those life skills are for them to be resilient. And I've mentioned some of them before, self-awareness, self-management, responsible decision-making, social awareness. Um, we want to make sure our kids have those skills on board. So when something happens, um, they're not always looking outside of themselves for the solution. Sometimes the solution definitely is within, um, particularly if you have skills built up. So if you see something on social media that says you're not this or that, that doesn't crush you because you know who you are. You can affirm yourself. Us adults in the building are going to affirm you too. But when kids have that within them, um, it cuts out a lot of the noise 
that impacts their their development, their academic success, just their progress. So I do see um, opportunities for resilient Gwinnett in the state of Georgia as well as in Gwinnett County and working with us as we work to build up those critical skills um, in our in our students to ultimately build up their resiliency. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Emily Ann, um, and then uh, Jessica, I'll toss this over to you too as well. So let's talk about some of the long-term implications. We touched on some of them um, and the importance of you know taking care of kids now. But if we don't address this from even a you know, talking about our, our workforce issues and things like that. What are some of these long-term impl- implications? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, if you have, if you grow up with a lot of adverse childhood experiences, you can have increased chronic diseases. Um, you're more at risk for mental illness. You're more at risk for dependency issues. Um, and you know, like Dr. Parker said, you you can offset those, you know, connections and, and all of the um, support systems she mentions can, can offset those, but lifetime issues will occur if you have a lot of them and they're untreated and you don't have those support systems in place. Um, I, when I first started, there's quizzes you can take. I, I don't know if you've ever seen any of them, but if you Google it, it pops up real quick on the CDC website or others. And I, I when I first took this role, I took the ACEs quiz and I thought oh I have about 10 years left I better get busy because <laughs> you know if, if it's a little scary mm-hmm. and what one of the things that we want to promote is you know just because you grow up and with a lot of these things going on or you're working with children that have you know four or five eight ACEs um, it it's not a deal breaker you know you can you can be that one supportive mm-hmm. adult in their lives and it doesn't have to impact their entire livelihood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can not reverse course, but you can help change the direction exactly. they're heading. Yeah, Jessica, what would you add to that? Um, I think that that we can't forget that some of the uh, one of the uh, worst things that that we can see happen when we're not addressing this is that we see our young people considering suicide. And um, the Georgia Student Health Survey is a survey that that high school students across the state take every year. And the most recent data um, shows us that in Gwinnett, five and a half percent of Gwinnett Middle School students and about the same percentage, 5.4 percent of Gwinnett High School students um, said that they had attempted suicide at least once in the previous 12 months. Wow. And that's when you think about how many students are in our Gwinnett County schools uh, that uh, about 11% of them between middle school and high school said that they had um, attempted suicide. That is, it's unacceptable. That that is absolutely an issue that we have to address. And, and we know that a lot of that is um, attributed to um, not being equipped to deal with the things that are, are coming at them not having the right supports in place. And, and so um, as much as, as I think it's important for us to, to talk about, and, and our work often focuses on um, the, the positive of what, is, what good is gonna come out of this work that we're doing, um, I, I think it is to, we, we also need to look at what happens if we don't address this. And um, we're seeing, especially with the impacts of the pandemic, on young people and the isolation and the challenges of digital learning and and the economic impacts so much 
um, that every every kid now has a, an ace because every kid is living through a pandemic right now, and that is something that if they if they don't have the right supports in place, could could snowball, could add to that number um, of aces that they have. And so I think that you know really realizing that these aren't just get over it kid kinds of things. These are things that um, really can have those those implications that um, that put put the thoughts in a young person's head that this just isn't worth it. And so I think that um, you know really realizing that that's why we have to do this work because it it's not just about well you know I pulled myself up by my bootstraps I lived through these same kinds of things they can do that too we we've got to start addressing them um, or there really are dire life-ending consequences for our young people. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good point. Um, and so talk to, because we spent a lot of time talking about the importance of understanding what's happening with our 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 kids, our, our high school students and so on. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the positive impacts that we've seen so far. You know, understanding that Resilient Georgia is still young, Resilient Gwinnett is still young. Um, but, you know, Emily Ann, have you seen, what positive impacts have you already seen through these initiatives? And then uh, Jessica, I'll, you know, toss it over to you as well. So many things. Um, I, I kind of don't know where to start. But we've seen, you know, we often talk about big P and little P. So big policy, little policy. Um, we've seen all kinds of great work happening across the state. Right now, just for context, we're in 97 counties across the state. By the end of the year, we'll be in between 120 and 121 we're working on that um and you know some regions and we use the term region because due to population density when we when we work with a metro area coalition we the region is a county like of course resilient Gwinnett when we work in more rural areas then it's got we call a region it has a city center and then they help all the counties in the surrounding area so um, with some of our first round of grantees, they've been at this work for about two years now, and some of them have already implemented Handle with Care. It's a wonderful program um, between the police department and the uh, school system. So when a child does go through something traumatic, um, the police department can alert the school system that they don't give any you know, explicit information, but it just says, you know, Handle with Care. This child's been through something. So like Dr. Parker said, if the child overreacts to a teacher asking them to not talk or something, they've been through something, everybody's aware, and probably not a good idea to chastise or discipline the student, but rather send them to the guidance counselor's office. So um, that's been, and, and we have, now we have four different regions that are working on implementing programs like, you know, large scale programs like that. Um, we also have groups, uh, and another exciting thing that was fun to see we're working very closely with Augusta and their medical school, and their medical students were suddenly unable to get their hours because of COVID, right? They couldn't go into the hospitals. So they saw, just like what Jessica was saying, uh, you know, increased need with their teen population in schools. And so they used medical students to mentor the teens and start talking about some of these issues. And it, the innovation and, and excitement um, in all of the regions has been very, very exciting. And now that we're working in Metro Atlanta, um, that just started this past year, 
it's really exciting to see the differences. Um, in this last round, I don't think Jessica was on the call, but one of our first calls when um, we were talking to the different regions, it, it's become a really nice community of learning. And we have one rural partner and then the rest are urban. And we were talking about, um, I think Gwinnett was talking about working with the school system and they referenced the population that you serve, Dr. Parker. And our rural partner out of Valdosta said, that's more than I serve in all of my seven counties. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a great, it's a, it, overall, I think one of the big takeaways I have is it's just been so nice to learn from all the mm -hmm. different partners at the table and, and really get some of these resources out to the masses. And I think that's probably our biggest win. Mm -hmm. that's, that's awesome. And Jessica, what about you? Some of the positive impacts that you've seen? So part of what I um, love about the, the fact that the coalition has received this uh, Resilient Gwinnett um, designation and, and the financial support to launch all of this in, in Gwinnett is that GUIDE has been doing this work um, for a while. We've been doing suicide prevention and mental health promotion work in specifically in Gwinnett County. And so it fits really nicely. And um, part of, so some of, some of my positive impacts are, are more from some of the stuff that we've we've been doing that now are, are feeding into Resilient Gwinnett. One of those things is that we have a fantastic partner with um, Gwinnett Fire and Emergency Services, and they partnered with us um, to train every single person who is a part of Gwinnett County Fire and Emergency Services, from the chief down to the front desk people in uh, QPR in our suicide uh, prevention training so that the people who are responding to emergency situations in Gwinnett County uh, now are better equipped to recognize um, some signs if people might be considering suicide, even if that's not why they were called, even if that's not um, what they're there to address. Um, and in doing that, we were able to teach them, you know, how to get them the right referrals, how to get them the right support. So we've, we've made it this systemic thing. It's not just we trained this handful of people, uh, but we've trained over a thousand people who are in fire and emergency services and now have this great partnership that um, we're working with them to see how do, we, how do we continue that. We're doing some work with them to train people within their system so that they can, as trainers, so that they can continue to train um, people, recruits that come through the fire academy and so on and so forth, so that, that every one of our first responders is has this when they go out into the field, um, just giving them that extra tool in their toolbox. Uh, we also have done a lot um, of training in the last couple of years in the midst of the pandemic. Um, Guide has been doing training um, for years and one of the things we really quickly knew that people needed was some some self-care stuff. How do, how do we do this? How do we pay attention to ourselves in in the middle of, of our kids are sitting next to us doing virtual learning? We're stressed out about if we're gonna have a job, you know, all of these things that, that were coming at us. And um, literally hundreds of people have signed up to attend these trainings just indicating that um, that people realize that we need to address this that we can't just keep on chugging keep on going don't you know don't don't feel it don't admit it 
uh, but, but that people are actually um, kind of pausing and saying, I, I've got to address my own health, uh, my mental health, my emotional health, my spiritual health, and my physical health, um, so that I can be the best parent, the best teacher, the best youth pastor, you know, whatever they, whatever role they play. Um, and just the interest in that and the people that have come back after those workshops with us to say, I, I learned a technique that I could can do in my classroom with my students. I, I learned, we had some last year, some uh, people who were digital learning, who were teaching students virtually, who learned a couple of things that they could do just to kind of center their students, even though they were staring at them over Zoom instead of face-to-face -face in a classroom. Things that just helped them connect a little bit more. And so we're, we're seeing people um, want this information. We're seeing people want to infuse um, this this idea of it's okay to talk about that that it's that something's hard. It's okay to admit that you might need help with something, and that those um, just those that kind of shift in attitudes really leads us as a community to a more positive place because um, we're not just kind of stuffing those feelings in and uh, not being willing to reach out but instead we're we're kind of admitting and and recognizing within each other that sometimes we struggle and so how do we support each other in doing this so just that that community kind of impact from the the fire and emergency services to just all the people who have been interested in um, self-care um, workshops um, are getting us to that space where um, people are a little bit more equipped to uh to to start filling that bubble wrap in as i said earlier mm -hmm. yeah i love that because the more you know the better you can do um and that's just so key so as we wrap up we've got about a minute or so left um so from all three of you you know for those who are listening in right now what can they be doing to help uh you know like i said right now with this issue as well as long term when we're talking about helping our kids through you know adverse experiences well i'll jump in first and say get involved in Resilient Gwinnett. ResilientGwinnett.org has all of our information. It links over to Resilient Georgia, so you can, can find out the, the bigger picture there as well. At ResilientGwinnett.org, you can sign up to be a partner with us and just find out what's going on. You can uh, sign up to attend one of the trainings that we're currently offering. You can request a custom training for people that, that you're connected with. Um, there's all kinds of, of great ways to engage. So I think the, the, the best, fastest right now, resilientgwinnett.org and connect with us in whatever ways we can help support what you're looking for. Um, I agree with that. Um, I would also say uh, do do a personal inventory or business inventory or what of what you have to offer um, the county, the school district in terms of support. Uh, not everybody can do everything. The school system certainly cannot do everything, particularly when it's outside um, in the environment and in the homes of our students. So, and I know we are big, we're 180,000 students strong, um, but don't let that deter you. You know, there's a school nearby wherever you are, and maybe you start there. Maybe you can provide um, some support or a resource, or you know, you can connect with that school and mentor. I would do a, a personal inventory of yourself and your business to find out, you know, what what do I have to offer and provide to help this community issue. Um, and if it is something on a larger scale that you can do, definitely. Um, 
we are always willing to have conversations and see where that extra support can fit in because um, the, the school and community can't live apart um, and the school can't do it alone. Um, and, and we need our community supporters. So um, yeah, don't be, don't be afraid. It is a big task. Um, but you don't have to do it all. Figure out you know, what little piece you can do and commit to that. Mm-hmm. Start somewhere, mm-hmm. but start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Emily Ann. I'll just add real quickly, since we have so many um, folks in the business sector listening, um, on our webpage on resilientga.org, we have an ACEs prevention flyer that talks a little bit about the return on investment of acting early and the importance of that. And um, we created that for for businesses, for uh, philanthropy, for folks to just understand why prevention is so important, because sometimes it is hard to measure. Um, so I would suggest that it's on our reports and briefs section. And the other thing I'll mention real quick is, like Jessica said, um, everybody has been through a traumatic event. We often, and we will be offering at the end of this year, mindful self-compassion courses for adults, which I would strongly recommend to anyone. I took a full day and did the full day version, which we're gonna be offering 90 minute versions as well. Um, And it was was really helpful, because as you can imagine, talking about childhood trauma can sometimes be draining all day, every day. (laughs) Um, But I would just encourage that for every, everyone. We've all been through something really traumatic and it, it, it helps to, remind yourself to be compassionate with yourself. Yep, I love that point. Um, Well, Jessica, Emily, and Dr. Parker, thank you so much for a needed conversation that not only helps our children, but as you just said, Emily, and ourselves as well, um, because it affects all of us. And to everyone listening, uh, thanks so much for joining us today for the Giving Back to Gwinnett podcast. If you would like to learn more about the Gwinnett Coalition or the Community Foundation, please visit them at gwinnettcoalition.org or cfneg.org. I'm your host, Heather Loveridge. Thanks again for joining us. And now go make a difference in your community.